Hey everyone, I'm Venice, and last month I talked about why we struggle to open up and how you can reach out to someone who's struggling with a mental illness. This time I want to talk about the treatment of mental illnesses and give a bit of personal perspective on it. I did a mental health first aid course last month, and I was introduced to a method called ALGE, where G stands for Give Support and Information, and E stands for encourage a person to get appropriate professional help and other supports. The point of first aid is to provide preliminary support for someone until professional treatment can be found or until the problem is resolved. Anyone who completes this course can call themselves a mental health first aider, but not counselors or therapists. When you have someone close to you or just anyone you're supporting who has a mental illness, Rather than keeping it to yourself and helping them yourself, even though that's really great of, great of you, it may be best to give them information on where to seek professional help instead. There are many types of mental health professionals. Social workers, counselors, psychologists, and psychiatrists. Although both counselors and psychologists carry out psychotherapy, Counselors can also offer services that focus more specific and short-term events, ranging from serious ones like bereavement and trauma to family and relationship issues. Psychologists that deal with mental illnesses are usually clinical psychologists, and they tend to be more research-oriented than counselors. They're also more focused on the scientific aspect, like in psychoanalysis and the various forms of psychotherapy, um, and while counselors can generally be found employed in a more diverse range of places, including educational institutions and rehabilitation centers, you're likely to find clinical psychologists in private and public hospitals or clinics. However, neither of them are qualified to prescribe medication. Psychotherapy is a form of therapeutic treatment that guides the person in exploring the beliefs and motivations of their unconscious mind and their emotions, and hence change tricky or unhelpful behaviors. The therapist forms a relationship with the client to help them solve existing internal or interpersonal conflicts. Coping mechanisms are developed and new ways of thinking established to handle anxiety and depressive mood swings. Now, there are several kinds of psychotherapy. There's psychodynamic therapy, humanistic therapy, behavioral therapy, and cognitive therapies, just to name a few. They can be done in an individual, group, couples, or family setting. So starting off with psychodynamic therapy, it uses a psychoanalytical approach pioneered in the 19th century and places emphasis on how the past so someone's childhood and parental relationships may affect the present because it recognizes that these experiences are critical and unconscious forces that make us who we are. Secondly, humanistic therapy prizes in being client-centered, encouraging the client to make rational choices, seek free will, and drive self-development for them to reach their maximum potential. Behavioral therapy is really the center of psychotherapy because it gives clear guidance and practical advice on how someone can actively change actions and behavior in day-to-day -day life. Cognitive therapy addresses the person's cognition and thinking.
Now, the most common form of therapy comprises the best elements from several types that the psychotherapist believes is the most suitable for that particular client, forming what's known as integrative or holistic therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, is one of the most common kinds of therapy out there, and it combines cognition and behavior. Socratic questioning, which is seeking to get a client to answer their own questions, and thought challenging are major components of CBT. And for the behavioral aspect, clients are often asked to complete tasks or homework, such as filling in worksheets or keeping a diary outside their sessions. Now, on the other hand, psychiatrists are medically trained physicians that specialize in psychiatry. They use a combination of pharmacological and therapeutic methods, combining medication with talking therapy. Psychiatrists often also do further work in a lab or perform physical examinations to ensure the symptoms are not a result of a physical cause. Now let's talk about psychotropic medication. Neurotransmitters or monoamines such as serotonin and noradrenaline play a huge role in mental illnesses. Both of them are chemicals um, in your brain. And so neurotransmitters are specific ones that cross synapses between neurons in your brain in the central nervous system. For example, dopamine is an excitatory neurotransmitter and contributes to psychosis in schizophrenic in patients. Excess noradrenaline can result in anxiety, and the lack of it can lead to depression. While adrenaline is a hormone involved in the fight or flight response, and so excessive amounts of it can lead to anxiety disorders like panic disorders, OCD, and PTSD. Psychiatrists prescribe psychotropic medication that regulate the levels of these neurotransmitters or monoamines. The list includes antidepressants, tranquilizers, stimulants, antipsychotics, and so on. Tranquilizers are for stress relief, and um, so from the name, antipsychotic drugs are used to manage psychosis, which are episodes that people with schizophrenia may have. But then, antipsychotic drugs can also be prescribed for people with personality disorders bipolar disorder, or even severe depression. Now I want to focus on antidepressants. They regulate monoamine systems, especially serotonin, dopamine, and noradrenaline. Examples include selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, or serotonin and noradrenaline reuptake inhibitors. SNRIs, tricyclics, and also monoamine oxidase inhibitors. As you may be able to decipher from their labels, SSRI and SNRI block the reuptake of serotonin and or noradrenaline into neurons. Because serotonin improves sleep and emotional regulation, if you block their uptake into synapses, uh, from synapses into neurons, you're allowing their effects to be longer lasting hence improving sleep and emotion. 
Antidepressants also change, um, they also decrease amygdala activity by changing neurotransmitter availability. Um, and this is really important because amygdala activation is responsible for the fight or flight response as well, and is hence linked to anxiety disorders and negative associations. There's no definite answer, to say the least, whether you know, psychotherapy or psychiatry is better. But here are some, I guess, pros and cons of both. CBT may not be helpful if someone has learning disabilities or mental health conditions that are overly complex or serious. For example, a woman troubled by a dog phobia may be able to overcome this with a behavioral treatment. But what if her symptoms were due to her father's anxiety after the war? How would we deal with that aspect of her life? If child abandonment or parent neglect is a prominent cause of the child's hoarding disorder, CBT may only focus on the existential present, solving the hoarding problem, but fail to address the cause of the hoarding. Which is why we need other forms of therapy, like psychodynamic therapy, to touch on the different causal factors of the condition. Even though antidepressants suppress symptoms, it neglects the causes and the environmental stress factors, for example, abusive environments and workplace stress. So the chance of relapse persists, and curing depression is less likely than therapy. Neuroplasticity, along with new environment stressors, can change neural connections in the brain again after these medications are stopped. So I guess it's safe to say that a combination of these two seems to work better than one of them on their own. Psychotherapy involves understanding the underlying reasons for the stress and implementing practical strategies that can improve quality of life in the long term. Whereas psychotropic medications should be taken to suppress symptoms and improve quality of life in the short term. Perhaps it is best if both are taken together. Without medication, it may be hard for someone to make use of the strategies they learn from therapy and truly apply them into their life for their future. If they already find it hard coping every day. So has it worked for me so far? I've been trying cognitive behavior therapy for a few months now. It still fluctuates quite a bit, I have to say. Sometimes I walk into the clinic feeling terrible and they're coming out feeling amazing. But it also depends on the week. So if it's like super stressful that week, I may fall into a depressive mood again. But then that could also just improve for some, re- for some reason. It takes time. Okay, it, it just takes time. And it's completely understandable if it fluctuates for you. A thing about psychotherapy, though, is that you do need to commit yourself to the process to get the most out of it. A therapist can only do that much. They only see you for around an hour each time, once every few weeks. They can give you advice, but they can't guide you every step of the way through, and they can't make your life choices for you. So the outcomes of therapy can really depend on one's willpower or their ability based on their schedule. On many occasions, I've definitely felt just so stressed and just had too much going on to even think my behavior through before doing or saying something that I don't mean. 
It's getting better though. I'm learning to do the thing called urge surfing, which is a technique used in um, addiction usually, but it can also apply to other situations. So when I have a thought or something my brain tells me about myself or my friend, I give myself time before I truly process it or voice it out because that allows me to reflect and analyze more factors before doing something that I might regret or something that might hurt my friend's feelings. It's helped a lot getting professional advice from someone else that isn't my friend or my family. I know how it feels to be locked in a mindset, constantly arguing with yourself about how to feel, but I also know that the friends and family of someone struggling may find themselves um, feeling tired or helpless because you're constantly trying to find a way to make the person feel better, but you might not see any improvement. However, when the person is listening to someone qualified to help them, someone who is uninvolved in their daily interactions, it is easier to keep an open mind. I know that feeling, you know, the feeling that nobody understands you. But these counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, whoever it might be, they have had so much experience dealing with similar mental illnesses and cases. I assure you that they won't judge you that they don't think it's your fault and that they can truly make a difference to your life if you try it out. That'll be it for today. I'm Venice and I hope you like this podcast. It's a bit more informative and factual compared to the other ones I've done before, but yeah, see you next time.